every once in a while, maybe when you're driving in a tractor or something, like zoom out a little bit and think what what was what what do I need for my farm in the next five, 10 years? And, and what are you know, what are consumers thinking about? And uh, have a relationship with your veterinarian because I always encourage that. <laughs> I think those are my big my big two things. It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry. One that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. Swine It Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like Ivonic. We are sciencing the global food challenge. AB Vista, new nutritional perspectives and novel enzyme applications to drive pig production. Genesis, the first power in genetics. Gestal, always one step ahead in swine feeding. Odiseo provides programs and services to help producers achieve their targets in high quality, safe, and sustainable way. Swine management to the next level. Cloudfarms.com. Zinpro, essential trace minerals, exceptional performance. Hello, everyone. I'm Laura Greiner, your host for today's Swine It podcast. And with me today, I have Dr. Marissa Haight, who is the Director of Animal Welfare and Sustainability with Fairlife. Marissa, how are you today? I am doing well. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Well, glad to have you here today. Well, Marissa, some of our audience members may not be very familiar with you. So before we jump into our topic today, would you mind giving a little bit of background about yourself? Yeah, I would love to. Um, so like you said, I'll kind of work backwards. So my, my current role is the Director of Animal Welfare and Sustainable Farming for Fairlife. Um, where I really manage all of our animal welfare governance programs for any of our supplying farms and then any of our farm sustainability projects. And so I kind of consider my boots on the ground in two different places. So, um, you know, I get to be boots on ground with our supplying dairy farmers and then boots on the ground um, within our entire organization and brand in our supply chain. So, you know, talking about what's going on with our farms within our company and then out to obviously our stakeholders and customers. And so um, I really enjoy it. I get to uh, use you know, my veterinary skills, but then also my communication skills, which is something that I'm really passionate about. Um, and so I, I went to Michigan State. I did my, my undergrad in animal science there, uh, my veterinary degree, and then my master's in public health. So I bleed green if there's any Spartans on there, on here. Um, not a huge swine school. So uh, I think I was one, actually one of two people that was kind of interested in going to swine. Um, I knew, you know, I had a strong dairy background, obviously being from Michigan, but I really just loved food animals. So I was interested in either poultry or swine or, or, or cattle. Um, and so I did a couple uh, swine internships and always, you know, got my butt kicked by the the, uh, the Iowa kids or the Minnesota kids, but we, we hold our own at Michigan State. So um, when I graduated, I actually took on the role of staff veterinarian for um, Midwest Veal. So we um, had a large calf operation in Michigan, Indiana, Ohio. So really managed the health and welfare um, of around 60,000 calves of uh, milk at a time. Um, and that's really, uh, you know, where I kind of developed my love and desire for communicating about agriculture and, and sharing what's happening on our farms. Um, and then building out an animal welfare program for a company that didn't have any animal welfare program and never had a, had a, had a veterinarian on staff. So um, it was really great. I really learned a lot through that experience and it really helped you know, open the doors to where I'm at right now. 
Well, some of our audience is, is international and they may not be very familiar with Fairlife. So could you give just a little snippet about what Fairlife or who Fairlife is and what they do? Yeah. Yeah, I, I love Fairlife because one, it was actually developed by dairy farmers and a, and a dairy veterinarian, which I think is just so cool. Um, so, you know, we have um, an ultra filtered milk product and it, I kind of consider it like um, and like water going through a Brita, Brita filter, right? So we figured out how to take out the lactose out of milk and, and put it back together um, and make this wonderful higher protein, lower sugar product. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's what we market. Um, we have protein shakes and ice cream and, and, and milk. Um, and we actually brought, you know, a lot of people back to dairy um, because they're lactose intolerant. And I think it's one of the, the, the very few brands that's really drove innovation in the um, fluid milk sector. I think that's really interesting because I'm sure we have some listeners right now who are probably going, why does a swine podcast have a dairy yeah. person on? <laughs> yeah. And we talk a lot about that, right? There's many things we can learn across our species and our different commodities. And so I think today you'll have some really good insight for our producers, especially the, the discussion piece around, you know, how you've taken um, a product and made it fit into a, a group of consumers that we didn't really think could ever consume your product, right? When we talk about milk, nobody um, thinks that anybody with a lactose issue could, could consume milk. And so here we have a product that's available. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know. I, I think it's super important that we always, uh, you know, I'm married to a farmer. I get it. I work with farmers every single day. Right. And we are, we're putting out fires. We're doing a day to day. Um, but I think the beauty of, of my role is that I really get to step back and zoom out and, and work with a brand that's always engaging with the customer and consumer and saying, what do you want? What do you need from us? You know, and, and as a farmer, I think we need to consider that. And, and when we're looking out, you know, 10, 5, 10, 20 years down the road, at the end of the day, we all make consumer products. So we need to know what the consumer wants from us, right? And we have to accept what they want or what they have to say. So, um, you know, keeping that in the balance of, you know, obviously farmers are the experts in what we're doing and we know best, but we are making consumer goods. So what, 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 what do we need to, to give them at the end of the day that makes us both happy and profitable? Absolutely. And I think you bring up some really good points and we'll, we'll kind of jump in if you want, if you don't mm -hmm. mind. Um, yeah. I sat in a meeting last week and I heard someone talk about, oh, of course, as we've all heard the differences between the baby boomers, boomers, the Gen Xers, the millennials, the Gen Zs. And so from your perspective today, you know, how are consumers changing? I mean, one of the things I've actually heard is um, in today's household, it's the children that are driving the purchases at the grocery store more so than the parents making that decision. So it's really our children that are decision makers in what we purchase versus ourselves. But you know, what are you seeing in terms of the consumer change and, and discussion? Yeah, that's a great question. It's something I, I'm honestly, I think about all the time and I'm really passionate about because you know, I think when, when I first got into agriculture, we talked about every, most of our consumers are, are at least two years from generations removed from the farm, right? And you keep hearing that. But I think if we redid that study, we'd probably find out that most of our consumers are now probably four to five years removed from the farm, which is an even bigger difference. They don't even have a grandpa they knew that farmed, right? And so um, I think that's one perspective to think about. And then two is, you're exactly right. Our, I kind of always had this slide when I talk is, uh, it's not your, farm, your father's consumer, right? So our consumers have changed so much and what they find valuable has changed so much. 
Um, and it, there's a really good study, I'd have to pull it up, but it kind of just shows, um, it was asking, you know, boomers versus Gen Xers is, you know, what's important to you is, is animal welfare important to you? Is environmental sustainability important to you? All social responsibility questions. And it's, it's, I mean, as kids get older, it, it increases, right? And so the boomers are like, I don't care. And then, it, you know, it increases. And it's just a great graph to show, like, this is something that's on top of mind for consumers. And I think if, if anybody doesn't believe it, then go see a brand that's had a scandal, right? Or, you know, a manure spill or something that's been big issue. And you can see just how much it will impact a brand or a farm. And so um, understanding that they are making purchasing decisions based on um, these kind of social things now, these social responsibilities that were never of consideration before is really important. Man, I think you you bring up a good point. I, I was uh, doing a little bit of just watching TV this weekend and I came across a reality TV show, which I'm not really into, but it, I caught a bit of it and I actually had a giggle because they were out in the um, woods and somebody had brought a deer and these were individuals who came from the city and they were showing them how to process a deer in the woods and they were having them uh, break down the carcass and they came to the ribs and they were cutting them down and the person's eyes lit up and they're like, I didn't realize that the ribs I ate came from the ribs of an animal, right? And and I have if you're in farming and you're in agriculture, yeah. you, you laugh and you giggle, but that reality is really there. So mm -hmm. um, what I kind of always question back with the consumer is, how do they know how to create their social responsibility checklist or priority list if they have no concept of what agriculture really is. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that comes back to building trust. So I think there's two kind of camps within ag communication is, is one is education, right? Like we're just going to educate the consumer so they, they can make the right choice. And I don't sit in that camp. I don't think that today's consumer wants to be educated. They don't care. I mean, they just don't, they don't have the time for it, right? They're making a quick decision in the grocery store. And so, or, you know, uh, off of what they see on Instagram or something like that. Um, and so uh, for me, it's really trying to build trust. How can we build trust with the consumer so that they think and trust us to do the right thing all the time? And that's really, that's really, you know, how uh, trust what is the, it's a trust pyramid, but anyway, a scale of uh, social responsibility and social trust. But as, as they continue to see things that they don't understand or don't like on our farms, we erode our trust with our consumers, right? And so we really need to be working on building that back with them. And so that when they go to either one vote or two make a purchasing decision, which both those things are scary, right? Um, that they feel like I, I trust this person. They have what's best in mind for me and the animals that they raise. And here's why I'm going to vote or, or purchase this way. And so that's really the only way that I think that we're going to win back consumers. I think that's an interesting concept. I still struggle sometimes, though, um, when you do have conversations with people uh, who aren't involved in agriculture. And, you know, maybe we're talking about physical castration of an animal. And from their viewpoint, it's wrong, it's bad. And so with without that education piece, how do you get them to quote, trust that what we're doing is correct? Because I still feel like, just like you said, I feel there's a disconnect really between the ability to educate and the ability to trust because 
they are so overwhelmed with information and they are trying to make quick decisions. They're not going to necessarily research all the reasons why they just yeah. um, personify that and say, Oh, that's, that's bad. Right. Yeah. So how do we work through that process? That's a great point. And I think there is a subset of consumers that do want that education. So we for sure have to have it for them. I think for the rest of the ones that just want to feel good with what's on package or, you know, making that decision is knowing a farmer within the organization, right. Is really, really helps people really want to make connections with humans. So if they can feel like they know a farmer or they know, you know, someone within their community, that's, that's the biggest win. And then having verification, right. So maybe they don't trust you because you are a farmer and obviously it's, it's in your interest to make, you're going to make all this money. Right. And so um, having a verification, so a third party verification is really helpful. And then you can also have that verification on pack. And most people do have high trust scores with those types of marketing um, strategies. So they're saying, yes, this is what they believe in. But then there's also a third party verification that comes in and says that they're actually doing those things. So that's something that this consumer is currently looking for is those validations from somebody who's not necessarily tied to that company to feel like Correct. what's what's being requested of them is is being heard. Yeah. And you know, there there's always going to be that mistrust and I get that sometimes they're like, well, you've been up and bought out by Big Ag, you know, and I'm like, I'm still waiting on my check from Big Ag, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so those third party verifications are valuable. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So as a let's kind of flip this a little bit. So as a a company or as a representative of a company if you're doing some of this discussion with your supply chain and whether that's the grocery store or directly with the consumer and you start to hear um, a message that's being repeated and repeated, that sounds like this is something that your business needs to really listen to and figure out how to address. How do you start that process of saying, okay, this is what the consumer wants. How does this fit our business model? How do we economically validate this decision? You know, where where do we start in that process? Yeah, that is that's a great question because that's really what I kind of do part of my day is is really zooming out and saying, okay, here are the three or four things that people have a real concern about with dairy, right? So for us, we have to win in environmental sustainability. We know that and we we're going to, right? And so working in that area. And then, well, really there's two buckets for me. It's animal welfare and, and, and sustainability. And so when I skip over to the animal welfare portion, it's like, okay, so what are these three big topic areas that we need to work on as an industry? Um, you know, what's happening with our calves and, you know, um, um, access to pasture and outdoor access, you know, so there's these kind of four or five different buckets that I'm thinking about because they're, they're continually coming to mind. Um, and then within that, it's like, okay, so in the next five to 10 years, where are we at with research right now? What is there areas that we need to build out for research? Talking to our farmers, because I think our farmers are probably the, the biggest place of innovation, right? And, and, and figuring out things that they're doing on farm is pretty amazing. Um, and, and, and putting it in their bucket, you know, is, is these are the areas that we're looking at in the next five to 10 years. So start thinking, right? And, and then, you know, and then working beyond the research and, and starting innovation at the farm is, is, you know, developing a plan for our supply chain within the U.S. or whatever country that we're in and what that looks like. And so whether it's phase outs or it's, um, you know, just like I said, building out research or, or doing pilot farms or things like that, that's really how we kind of initiate the ball. And I think the part that we miss often as a brand 
um, is sharing what we learned, right? So everything isn't going to be successful. And I think consumers understand that. But I think if you say, hey, in 2020, we did, here's our learnings, here's what we learned that this doesn't work. It actually, you know, we had a reduction in animal welfare. So that's why we're not going to do this anymore. That's why we're not going to go with that technology. That holds a lot of weight with consumers if you can explain how, how you came to that decision. Um, and so, yeah, I guess I'll end there. <laughs> no, you're fine. You can keep going if you'd like. If there's no, that's, you know, I think that's just how you build out a program. And it's a really a long-term partnership with, you know, your, your, your consumers and your customers, what they're looking at, your farms, and then you as a brand or a, a company and, and what, you know, you want to work on. And so um, I think it's really important that farmers understand that this really is a partnership, right? We can't, we can't do this alone. So how do you handle um, the consumer that comes to you and, and hey, they're somewhat educated, they've read a few things and, and they say, oh, this is what I'm concerned about. And maybe they pick on a specific topic when really it's the broader picture, right? So the angle of the consumer is a little bit different. They're thinking it's probably more, maybe it's a welfare aspect, but they picked on you know, one, one pinpoint of what happens in the dairy industry. Maybe it's the pastures. So how mm -hmm. do you interpret that information and, and really try to, to ask what is the real issue at hand for the consumer? Yes, um, I'll tell you what you should do. It's probably not what I do, but <laughs> what you should do is say, tell me more, say more. Um, what do you know about that already? Or, you know, why is that a, con why is that a concern? So just really understanding um, and getting to the bottom of the question. And I'll give an example. So this weekend, we went over to our friend's palm party and um, there was, you know, some city folk there and uh, they were talking about um, dairy. We were talking about dairy. So I said, I work for a dairy company. I'm really proud, blah, blah, blah. And she said, well, is that why my daughter had her period at 10 years old? And I was like, okay, here we go. You know, and so just, you know, and then just said, say more, you know, so what is the thing, you know? And then we talked about, I said, you know what happens when I, my cows mature really well because I fed them really well? It's, it's a nutrition thing, right? So people mature faster when they have really good access to food and nutrition. And we talked about how blessed we are to be in America and have this amazing food supply, right? And so, you know, we talked about how there are no hormones in milk, you know, added hormones and, um, you know, how things haven't, the milk hasn't changed since, you know, the 60s and 70s. So really it is a nutrition thing and um, the, having those really good conversations, but be willing to have those conversations with people and not get abrasive and be like, you know, you're stupid, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I, I like that phrase, tell me more, because I think that that exactly does. It keeps that conversation open. It helps that individual feel like they can share and not put you on maybe quite the defensive that maybe in your mind you are, but you know, verbally, you're not expressing it. And that's, that's the important thing to get them to really talk about what's concerning them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't think our farmers want to, they don't want to have those conversations. They're hard. They're sensitive, right? They're emotional. People are emotional about food. Mm -hmm. We all eat and it, and it really does impact us. Right. And so is, is if there's someone within your organization who's passionate about it, then encouraging them to be that way and giving them resources to, to even talk within your communities or, you know, doing a farm tour here, then even if it's for your, your church Bible study or something, a safe group, right. That can kind of help broaden that message. But um, we really need to be, uh, I, I think, better communicators as, as what's happening on our farms. 
You brought up a phrase a little while ago, and I'm going to come back to it now. You talked about being part of big ag, right? Somebody thinking you were part of big ag. And mm -hmm. again, that that word, that phrase creates mistrust within uh, the consumer population. So being part of a company who some consumers have, have put you into that bucket, who do you select from your company to serve as the representative? Right? Who from that company are they going to be more likely to trust? Um, if they already have this sense of, oh, they're, they may not be a trustworthy group to start with. And I'm not saying that about Fairlife, but just that perception yeah. of being part of big egg. No, I, I don't think, I don't know if I'm going to answer this the right way for you, but, um, I did a video one time in one of our cattle barns. So we raise cattle background or cattle. They end up at JBS, but we also do direct to consumer. So our neighbors could be consuming our beef or our neighbors who go to Walmart could be consuming our beef. Right. And so I, we talked about in this video, you know, I'm, I'm out there, I'm actually holding like my two-year-old and I'm like, you know, I'm a mom. I feed this to my children as well. But the cattle that you see here, this is a CAFO. This is a concentrated animal feeding operation. That is how we're designated. And, um, but in contrast, if you think we're a factory farm, then yes, I guess we are. But here's what happens here, right? Like these, these animals go direct to consumer. We're that small local. And then we're also, a, a, you know, a, a national. We go to a national brand, right? Because we sell to Walmart. And so I think having kind of those uh, talking about how, you can have both, right? You can have this family farm that also helps feed everyone in the in the country, right? And um, and so I guess that's kind of how I always try to frame it is is communicating in a way that uh, people can relate, right? People can relate that I'm a mom and I feed my kids and, and that I'm a you know local town, but then I also want to work with a brand. And so I don't know if that answered your question right, uh, but that's kind of the way I try to frame it. I don't think there's a right answer. I don't. I'm not, yeah. I don't have a a quiz for you today. So we're we're just kind of talking. But yeah, that I think you're absolutely right when we think about um, where the consumer is and the social responsibility, the emotion, and and you know whether it's being a parent or working with your neighbors. I think that does connect with them, right? That is something that that they can adhere to. And you know, certainly we've done the surveys post COVID about you know, how well they trust a scientist versus, you know, trusting their neighbor. And, and we certainly have seen that shift, whether it was due to COVID or just due to generational shifts, it's more pronounced today. Um, and so, and I, I actually do put veterinarians in that category as well, right? Because you are focused on animal health and people can relate to you because you are a doctor, but yet you're concerned about their animal. And again, we think about animals and the relationship to our individuals, it, it's a huge factor, right? So um, I would probably put you in there as well as being a veterinarian, just in your profession and how you relate to consumer. But is that what you see today or is it different? Um, no, I think you're right. Uh, there's this trust scale. I think Edelman does it. I can't remember. And veterinarians always rank very, very high on that. I mean, there's like used car salesmen, you know, and then we go up the scale nurses. We're, I think we're right below, usually below doctors and nurses, which is really encouraging. So um, yeah, veterinarians are always is highly trusted and usually they're kind of neutral territory, right? Because at the end of the day, we um, have made a vow that we always kind of put animals first, right? And, and our consumers know that. And so um, I think it's really important for veterinarians to work with their producers and, and, and make sure that we're all on the same page, right? And help communicate that because they really are. And, and I think too, um, 
for producers to have that relationship because when something goes wrong, right, that's who you're going to call and that's who you're probably going to want on your team when you're discussing what happened, what what actions are we going to take going forward, is you really want a veterinarian on your team. And so to have that person beforehand is always good as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, what if something does go wrong? Um, how do we address that with the consumer, whether it's a manure spill today or you know, a, a video that unfortunately comes out that maybe isn't in the right context? How do we help assure the consumer of where we're at? Yeah, that's a great point. And you know, there's kind of the day one stuff, which is ensuring that your food's safe, right? I mean, that's that's the number one concern. And then two is is the actions that you're gonna take going forward and being very upfront with that and and giving them an expectation of timelines of, you know, this is what we're doing today. By the end of the week, we'll have this done and, you know, and, and kind of taking them on that journey with you. But then also saying and, um, you know, reinforcing whatever fears that they might have in that video is, you know, um, kind of if it's a manure spill, you know, environmental uh, considerations are always top of mind for us. And, you know, just reinforcing what we believe in as a, as a uh, organization or, you know, as an industry for sure. So, um, and then working through that and, and communicating out the steps that you've taken along the way. So that's kind of the scary part about it is going out there and saying, we did this, we had this accident, this thing happened and, and we don't want to bring it up again, but we want to make sure that you know that we did these things, right? And so I think that work is walking them through the steps taken afterwards. Yeah, and that's kind of how I take it. So I was just kind of writing some notes and I, I caught a couple of things. So we acknowledge the issue, we take action, uh, we communicate both that we acknowledge the issue and that we're taking actions. And then we do some assurance on how do we prevent this in the future, right? Those are really the four things that our consumer probably needs to know or wants mm -hmm. to know. It, would that be fair or am I missing yeah. a step? Yeah, no, that's that's perfect. And I think having anything pre, uh, you know, pre-formed before anything happens is this is these are our you know this is what we believe in as as whether a co-op or you know a brand or whatever so that you can reinforce those as they come out is is you know these are really our guiding principles in this area we'll always come back to these and you know and making sure you kind of have that up front. Absolutely, those are great. The other thing that I also think or picked up on your conversation was the having a timeline, and what popped into my head was really bullet points. Um, some of the recent research I've read is that today's um, generation really only wants something in about 30 words or less um, to really retain it, to read it. After you get about that far, they're done. Is yeah. that something you, you're seeing today too, as far as if we're going to tell that story, we don't want to get too far in the weeds, just keep it very short and brief, or do they want all the extra? Yeah, I think you're going to have multi-stakeholders, right? So you're you're going to have to have that detailed uh, list of everything you've done and resources and links and all of that, right? But if you're trying to communicate, say, on social media, yes, you need to keep it very brief. It could be, you know, multiple points of each one is kind of a bullet point. You know, here's our beliefs, here's our actions, um, because that's really all you're going to see. You're competing with everything else, right? Like everything else is flashy and shiny. And so um, if you're going to try to make a point, definitely distill it down. Um, and I, I know us millennials and younger get a bad rap for that, but there, we have a lot coming at us every single day. And so we need to make sure that we are delivering it in a way that our consumers are looking for it to be delivered. And, and that really is kind of distilled into the point. Absolutely. Well, I see our time's kind of wrapping up. Marissa, are there any key points or takeaways that you'd like our audience to be thinking about today? Uh, 
yeah, just every once in a while, maybe when you're driving in a tractor or something, like zoom out a little bit and think what what was what what do I need for my farm in the next five, 10 years? And, and what are you know, what are consumers thinking about? And uh, have a relationship with your veterinarian because I always encourage that. <laughs> I think those are my big my big two things. Those are great, great takeaways. I appreciate those, Marissa. It is time to our famous three. For knowledge and news from the global swine industry, access our partner, thepigsite.com. As we wrap up, we'd like to ask our guest speakers just a couple of different questions. The first question we like to ask is, do you have a favorite swine resource book? Now, I know you're not the swine person because I see lots of dairy cattle in your backdrop there, but yeah. um, how about something from an animal welfare or behavior side? Yes. Um, so I've read a book for this. So um, I have Improving Animal Welfare, third edition, a practical approach from Dr. Temple Grandin. Um, and I really appreciate this because she really does take a kind of a practical approach to things. Um, and so I really like this resource. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great resource. Oh, and it's pigs. It's and it has pigs on the front. <laughs> I saw that too. She still got her pigs in there. Yeah. <laughs> well, how about something that's not related to pigs? Is there another resource that you'd recommend to our, re- or to our audience today? Yeah, so this is not animal welfare or anything related, but it's the current book that I'm reading, which is uh, CEO Excellence. Um, and so I just really like this book. I haven't finished it yet, but it's kind of the mindsets that distinguish leaders from the rest. And I don't, I just think if you're, you know, you're owning a farm and you're leading people, you're managing people, um, that that type of mentality is always super important. So you don't have to be leading a company, you could just be leading, you know, a team. And I think it's it's a good resource. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds like a good book. I have not read that one yet. Well, the last question really kind of fits into that a little bit. Um, if you can think of someone in your life, uh, either still living or has passed on, that you've defined as successful and you get to define success, however you view it, uh, mm-hmm. what would be a key trait or characteristic that they have that you think's allowed them to be successful? Yes, it, this is for multiple people that have been, you know, in my life that I think have been successful, and that's really empathy. So I, I really, truly believe that the best leaders and most successful people in, in my life really embrace that empathy and um, want to help build out others within their teams, right? So not just themselves. And so the only way that you can do that is, you know, your your teammates or your, uh, everyone feel kind of engaged. And that really does take empathy. And so I guess that's my my trait. That's a great one. I haven't heard that one yet. So that, that's a really good trait for, for someone to have. Well, Marissa, our time is up. I do want to thank you again so much for our visit today. I greatly appreciate it. Um, For our audience who is listening, this is Dr. Marissa Hake, who is with Fairlife. Thank you, Marissa. No problem. Thank you so much. Imagine if with a few key concepts, you could have the potential to create a massive positive impact for swine producers. Join this small group and go to the next level of nutrition on this online training in applied swine nutrition and feeding by Dr. Marcio Gonsalves and his world-class invited swine nutritionists. Additionally, you will enjoy an exclusive community to network and exchange ideas. Go now to EliteSwineNutritionist.com.